making a movie physically and mentally destroys you. You know, it just, it just does. It becomes such a labor of love that sometimes we neglect to look at it as a business. People lock into this idea that there is a correct way to do things. There's not. There's a million ways to do it. Video has become the most effective way to get people to do something that it is you want them to do. It's time for filmmakers to get real with Jeffrey Michael Bayes and Forrest Day Jr. Well, this is episode number 25 of our podcast. This is like a milestone for us. This is like our 25th episode. Is that a thing? Our silver anniversary. Oh, it's a silver, silver anniversary. Okay. Yeah. So on our show today, we thought we'd have uh, Maury Warsawski to talk about fundraising for independent films. Now, just full disclosure here, this is actually an interview we did for YouTube a couple of years ago on our rolling tape show. And mm-hmm. we thought, you know, why not bring some of these interviews back? Because this is one of my favorites. This is an interview about a fundraising house party, which is something that a lot of people don't think about when they're raising money for films. You know, today it's all about crowdfunding and, you know, all about that. But the old fashioned, uh, you know, getting people in a house and throwing a party and showing a clip, apparently it actually still works. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So Maury is going to be here. He's the author of Shaking mm-hmm. the Money Tree. So Movie Maker Magazine just came out with their uh, recent magazine, the mm-hmm. recent issue. So I was looking through it and I, I found this interesting that they now, because they're all about their lists, you know. Yeah, yeah. They always have their best, you know, their best things to, you know, the best film festivals, best, you know, the coolest film festivals and the best this and that. Well, they've got their their 2019 best places to live and work as a movie maker. And so what they've done is they've divided this into two different categories, big cities Mm -hmm. and then smaller towns and smaller kind of communities as their best places to live and work as a movie maker. What do you think number one is? I'm going to guess. This is a total guess. I haven't seen this list. <laughs> New, New York City. I'm, I'm just guessing because well, there's so many places to shoot in the city. <laughs> no, that's, that's not right. That's not number one. Oh. Now, it might be on the list, but uh, it's not okay. number one. The number one big city to work and live as a movie maker in 2019 is Albuquerque, New Mexico. Huh? Did you? Did, uh, did you? What? Yeah, I, I wouldn't have guessed that. No, yeah. that's not even on my guest list. Yeah, it's totally true. I don't know anything about Al. I got. I I don't know anything about Albuquerque or New Mexico. So, never been there. Yeah, maybe I need to. <laughs> so apparently yeah, they've got a travel. they've got a good thing going. You know. So uh, yeah. New Mexico is the place to be now for. Uh, Making films, apparently. I thought it was Atlanta. So now suddenly Atlanta's not. <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, for me to go to New Mexico, though, I'd have to leave Massachusetts, right? Because I didn't. You said in one of our episodes that I never leave Massachusetts. That's true. So, you don't. Uh, you you never leave. Yeah, I, I do. I go north, south. I never go west. <laughs> like, I can go I can go a little bit east, but then, my, then I get wet when I hit the ocean. Ah. So Atlanta is number two, by the way. Okay. And New York is... That makes sense. New York is number four. 
And okay. Los Angeles is number five, so it's still up there. <laughs> a lot of people are down on L.A. recently, especially with people living in their vans and all of that. But, well, uh, yeah. It, I think it's hard to live in some of these cities, you know, to live and be a filmmaker. Yeah. Uh, to live in these cities, sometimes that's your full-time job, and it takes your focus away from being able to be a filmmaker. Yeah. I, I, You know, in my opinion, you know, with everything you got nowadays, you can almost be a filmmaker anywhere and then – try to go promote it in the cities. I don't know. I don't know the magic trick. Well, there you go. And that's why they have their second category of small towns, Mm -hmm. which they also have a list of. And Mm -hmm. they also have a separate article in here about that, the difference between small town versus big city filmmaking and, you know, what the advantages are of, of each one. But what do you think the number one small town is? My my guess would be like a, a Colorado town, something out in the Midwest. Well, now this is, I find this to be a little bit misleading because these are not really small towns because the number uh, one, number one is Savannah, Georgia. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a city. My right. son lives uh, just south of Savannah. That's a beautiful city and lots of great locations for, yeah. uh, you know, if you're into the ghosts, into the creepy um that's a beautiful port city. Yeah, but that's not a small town. No. Well, small cities and towns is what they say here. Okay. Yeah, that's a small city. So. I would call Savannah small city for sure. And by the way, Santa Fe, New Mexico is on here too. So New Mexico is on mm. here twice. Boy, all the other wow. states are going to get jealous now. <laughs> yeah. Kansas City is number eight. That's where I'm from. Hey. Yeah. And uh, I don't see Massachusetts for us. You, you, you guys never make these, these lists. What's going on there? But, you know, and, and they make so many. Well, I'll tell you why. It's because of the taxes and the blah, blah, blah. nobody wants to come here because uh, of yeah. the amount of money it costs. But with that being said, a lot of movies are uh, uh, Liam Neeson's out in the area now shooting a movie. But a lot of movies are shot in Boston and, and you know, and the suburbs of Boston, Mystic River being one. Um there was one that was shot right here in town, the town that I live in. I, I can't remember the name of it, but it had John Travolta. John oh, Travolta no. starred in it. So but that's about it. Why don't we open this up to our listeners also? Um, if you disagree right. with what the best place to live and work as a movie maker is, uh, tell us what where you live and work as a movie maker. We want to hear where you're from. That that. Because we know we have Blondie in Florida, <laughs> which is one of our mm-hmm. one of our uh, uh, listeners. Uh, we don't know who that is, by the way. Um, I, I want to hear what is unique and what is great about <laughs> yes. your area. Yes. So when you tell us, tell us why your area is great, and and tell us in some pretty good detail. I'd like to hear some detail. We got great, you know, woods or great swamps or whatever. Yeah, that's the stuff I like to hear. Yeah. So tweet us. Make it a story. You can email us at info at borgus.com or you can just send us a tweet at borgusfilm and uh, tell us, you know, tell us where you're making films and where you like to make films and tell us all about your area. Yes. <laughs> oh, I, I should have jumped in. I never know when to jump in. Like, like, are you rapping? You, you, you're mysterious. I think he's rapping or should I talk? So we're talking about fundraising house parties today. We're going to have tips and tricks from Maury Warsowski, author of Shaking the Money Tree. Right back after this with tips and tricks from the money tree.
That's one thing Alfred Hitchcock was really good at, creating suspense with a camera. For the last couple of years, I've been teaching Hitchcock suspense techniques at festivals like Buffalo, St. Louis, Palm Springs, Los Angeles. Filmmakers are learning easy tricks for building suspense that are so easy to implement. Now there's a way for you to get access in my new book, Suspense with a Camera. It's available in bookstores now. And don't miss our free docuseries on YouTube called Hitch 20. So we're talking about fundraising today, raising money for your film, and this idea that is uh, that I think is a really good idea. And by the way, I'm going to try this, I think, in raising money for Not From Space in the next few months, is to host a house party and invite investors to come and uh, see and learn about your film and, uh, and actually meet in person as a way to raise money for your film. Now, this is an interview uh, that we did for Rolling Tape a couple of years ago. And we decided to bring it back for us. Uh, you interviewed Maury on Rolling Tape. I did. So I did. Maury is the author of Shaking the Money Tree, The Art of Getting Grants and Donations for Film and Video. That's in its third edition. So that, that book has been out for decades now. And mm-hmm. he's also the author of The Fundraising House Party. So let's take a listen to this interview that you did with Maury. Okay. Thanks for joining me today, Maury. Great. So how do you want me to start? Well, let's talk about um, um, how do you go about starting a house party? Because everybody, uh, you know, a filmmaker always needs money. How do they start? What's their first step? The first thing you want to do is identify a host. And the host should be someone who loves you and loves your project. And ideally someone who's already given you some money and or someone who guarantees that they will give you money at the parties. That's very important. Um, so if you get the right host, you're off to a really good start. And that host uh, might come from your list of volunteers. It might be a relative. It might be a crew or cast member. But it's got to be someone who really, really wants to help and believes in the project. And it also has to be someone who volunteers to give the place that they live make that available for the house party. So house parties work a lot better when they're actually in a house or in someone's home. And it doesn't have to be a fancy house. It could be an apartment, a yurt, a condo, uh, or the big house on on the hill. So that's how I would start is looking for the right host. Okay. And the- hmm? Uh, No, go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say the second thing I would recommend is to ask the host to put together a host committee. So these parties work a lot better if you've got a small team uh, who can do all the planning, send out the invites, and also contact their friends. So it's kind of a ripple effect. And uh, they work a lot better if you've got a host working with a team. Okay. And when you do these parties, what do you do at them? I mean, okay, let's have a party at my house. Do you have prizes? Uh, What's the deal? Well, before you do the party, there's one other really important step, and that is you have to send out an invitation. Okay. And depending on who you're inviting, 
you're either going to want to send an evite and or an, a mail invitation through USPS or the post office. And a lot of that depends on how old the crowd is that's coming and how they like to be contacted. Uh, and it's also crucial that this invitation makes it really clear to the person who's receiving it that this is a fundraising party. It's not just a friend raising party. It's a party where they know they're going to be asked for money. That's very important because you want people who come to the party to be ready to give you money. And that's why another rule of thumb for house parties is you want to invite three or four times as many people to the party as you'd like to have there that night. Because once people understand they're going to be asked for money, a lot won't want to come. But that's good because they're not going to eat your food for free. And it's also good because everybody else who says they are coming knows they're going to be asked and they're ready to be asked and they're probably already ready to give. That, that's one reason that this is a self-correcting system, uh, that most of the people who come, 70% of the people who come are going to give you money. And should they invite their friends? Oh, so the host should invite their friends. Whoever is hosting the party wants to invite their friends. And another important thing is you want the group to be homogeneous and not heterogeneous. That is, everyone you invite should be able to give around the same amount of money so that people are comfortable when they're there. You might have to have two or three different parties for two or three different cohorts of people. Um, so that, that's another important rule. Um, then when they show up, uh, the sequence for the party is pretty simple. You let them mix around for a good 30 or 45 minutes. And that mixing should include some free food, but not a dinner, not a sit down dinner. Uh, you want finger food that's available. Uh, and if you have alcohol, which I'm not against, unless you're throwing a party for mothers against drunk drivers, but uh, if your people enjoy alcohol, I wouldn't have any hard liquor. I'd only have you know, wine. Uh, probably only white wine because if they spill the red wine on your carpet, it's it's a mess. So uh, you let them uh, roam around and talk to one another and, and eat for a little while. And then you have to have a formal presentation. And it's very important that you do it just right, because whether or not you get the donation is going to depend on this, on the presentation. And the presentation always begins with the host welcoming everyone and saying hello and reminding them why they're throwing the party, why they love you and love your project. And then your job is to get up and get people excited, the filmmaker. And the filmmaker does that typically by showing a short clip, like a three to 10 minute at the most clip. And that clip, if it can move people emotionally, is more likely to get your donation. And after you show the clip, the filmmaker entertains questions from the people who are in the room. And what you'd like to have is a dialogue. It's too easy for filmmakers to just talk, 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 talk about their films, but you don't want to do that in the setting. In this setting, you're saying to people, what can I tell you about this film? What would you like to know more about? And you can get them more engaged. And then you've got someone who's ready to make the direct ask, and it's not the filmmaker, which is the other beautiful thing about these parties is the filmmaker doesn't ask for the money. The person who's going to ask for the money is either the host, if they're comfortable doing it, or someone else in the room who knows everybody else who's been invited and who everybody else 
steps. And that person gets up and says, well, we've heard enough now from Maury about the film. Now let's talk about why we're all here tonight. And they look everyone in the eye and they make a direct ask for a donation right then and there that evening. And you should be ready to collect any kind of donation. Everyone should have a pledge card with a pen or pencil sitting on a chair waiting for them. And they can fill that out and give you a check. You must be able to take credit cards that night or cash. Um, and you collect as much as you can that night. And then you let people mill and mingle and chit chat as they leave. Um, so the party is over, but your work isn't over because typically you want to ask after the party is over, you're going to take a look at the people who came and gave you donations and of course, send them a thank you note, but you're going to have some people who didn't make a donation and those people must be called. Uh, ideally by the host or the person to make the ask, or if they're not comfortable doing it, then you or someone on your team has to make that call. Uh, and you will get, if you've made $10,000 that night, you'll get another 30% in your follow-up phone calls. So it's really important to make that phone call because you will get more money that way. Uh, and you want to make it an undaunting call where you call and first you thank people for coming. Then you ask them how they felt about the event. Uh, and then you say to them, we noticed that you didn't make a donation at the event. Uh, can you tell us why? Or do you have any other questions you want to ask us? And can we count on a donation now? And like I say, typically you're going to get 30% more money during that call. Wow. And that's the house party uh, in a nutshell. That's, that's amazing. I, I, I would have never thought of that. And, and they, uh, yeah, they work. I, listening to you, I'm like, how can it not work? I mean, Maury, I want you to come over to my house and have a house party. You're the host. <laughs> uh, great information, Maury. I, I really appreciate it. Where can people get the book? Uh, well, the best place is to come to my website, warshawski.com, W-A-R-S-H-A-W-S-K-I.com, and buy it from me directly, and I'll be happy to sign the book and give you a, a discount. Uh, but if you're really hooked to Amazon, you can also buy it on Amazon. No problem. All right, Maury. Thank you so much. Great information. And I think you're going to help a lot of filmmakers with this advice. I hope so. Party, party, party. Glad to get that money. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining me today. Okay. Adios. So that's our show for today. That completes episode number 25 if you'd like to get in touch with us, tell us what we should be talking about on the show. Tweet us at BorgesFilm or email info at Borges.com. We are on iTunes. Be sure to subscribe there and leave us a star rating. Get Real Indie Filmmakers is created by Forrest Day Jr., which is the host of Rolling Tape, which you will find that interview with Maury on YouTube. And it's also produced and edited by Jeffrey Michael Bays, the author of Between the Scenes, what every film director, writer, and editor should know about scene transitions and suspense with a camera, a filmmaker's guide to Hitchcock's techniques. Hey, we did it. We got through 25. Congratulations. All right. Yay. Silver anniversary. <laughs> Get Real Indie Filmmakers is a production of Borges Networks, 2019.